Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Sepp interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Business Navigate series. I'm Shivani Sate and I'm your host. Today I'm excited to welcome two guests, Leslie Robertson, the SVP Head of Underwriting and Claims at Willis Towers Watson, and Grania Richmond, the Executive Vice President at Aon. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, very exciting series we're about to start off here. It's a three-part series all about the captive insurance industry. Today's, today is part one, leaders in the captive industry. I'd also like to welcome back into the studio, Grania. You gave us a great introduction to the Bermuda captive industry last year, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you both today and getting into more of that detail. Thank you. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's kick this off. Perhaps I start with, with Leslie um, as our newcomer today. Could I please ask what you tell, if you could tell me a little bit about your role at um, Willis Towers Watson? Sure, and um, hello to you. Um, it's been great um, being in this captive industry for so many years, and now I'm actually at Willis. I've been at Willis now since 2018. I am the senior vice president and head of underwriting and claims, so I actually head up um, the underwriting and claims for all of the captives that we actually manage, and not just captives, but also um, commercial insurers as well that we manage. Um, I also have the roles of compliance officer and money laundering officer, and that's primarily as a result of the time that I was at the BMA, which ju- was just prior to uh, being at Willis Towers Watson. Okay, thank you. And Grania, give us a recap on your role. Absolutely, um, and thanks again for having me, Shivani. Uh, Grania Richmond, I'm Senior Vice President, Head of Captives at Aon. Um, uh, just my podcast with you last year, I had just started with Aon, so I'm That's six right. months. Um, but like Leslie, have quite a number of years here in Bermuda in the captive industry. I have not worked with the regulator, um, but I, I work <laughs> with them uh, as part of my role. Okay, well, thank you both. So I have a really curious question here. I have you both in from from uh, companies. It's an obvious question. Across the board, Willis Towers, Watson and Aon are competitors. Am I right in saying that? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so how do you even work together or perhaps collaborate in the captive market? You're both sat here smiling happily at each <laughs> other as well, I might add. Oh, it's, that's funny. And why I say it's funny, I think Grania and I are both laughing because we don't even see each other as competitors when we actually get together and collaborate. You know, from our perspective, it's all about Team Bermuda. And the two main things that we, you know, we primarily collaborate on is, number one, to make sure that we continue to market Bermuda as the, the premier domicile for captives. And then secondly, to protect Bermuda's reputation um, so that we are able to be on the front line so that in case there is any negative news, um, any concerns that get raised about our industry, we want to be at the front lines to be able to, you know, make sure those things are calmed down. So I think for us, it's all about Team Bermuda. And so when we get together, it's really, you know, 
focuses on captives and Bermuda. Okay. And, and you'll see, Shivani, with the other podcasts as well, you will have people from other companies who are competitors. But again, as Leslie said, it is all Team Bermuda. It is all collaboration. And I think that's what Bermuda ha- does really well and needs to continue to do really well uh, when we're facing the outside jurisdictions. Absolutely. And I'm hoping through all the podcasts I've mm-hmm. been doing that that's the message that's getting across. So Team Bermuda is definitely our quote for today. Mm-hmm. So let's recap a little from our last podcast for our, for perhaps you can remind the audience, Grania, um, what are captives and the different types of captives? Yeah. Very simply, a captive is a self-insurance vehicle. So you have companies that rather than going out to what we call the commercial market, and I'll mention names that people are familiar with, the, the likes of, you know, um, AXA XL, um, Renri, okay. you know, they're big commercial markets. It, layperson on the street wouldn't be buying insurance from them but some other companies could be and rather than them going to those big commercial markets they've decided to bring that insurance in-house create their own insurance company for their own risks it's all related party in the captive space Um, and that's what they do and that's what we set up here in Bermuda for them and we manage them either through an Aon or through a Willis Towers Watson we manage those companies for those uh, for those bigger companies that are domiciled um, in the States, Canada, or, or even Europe. I don't, Leslie, did you want to add any further explanations on well, that? Well, I'm actually going to ask oh, Leslie something. That's okay. okay. <laughs> I was about to ask Leslie, since we're talking about Team Bermuda, perhaps you can tell me what is the importance of the captive industry to Bermuda? Yes, well, first of all, the captive industry has been in Bermuda for over 60 years. In actual fact, last year at the Bermuda Captive Conference, we celebrated our 60th anniversary So I would say, you know, when you think about 60 years being in Bermuda, that means 60 years that companies have been able to employ Bermudians. Um, That's 60 years of of not only the companies and those those that are the insurance managers, but we also have a host of service providers that help the captives to be and, and to operate as they are. So we have the audit firms, we have the law firms and the corporate secretaries, We have the banks. uh, We have the actuaries. So there's a host of service providers that also that this captive industry helps to employ for Bermuda. And it all contributes to the gross domestic product of this island. Yes, which is incredibly important. Um, And perhaps then to understand, do you have much competition from other domiciles? A question for either of you. We definitely do. Um, As Leslie said, we are 60 years in existence in Bermuda and we were by far the biggest and largest and the most um, growth spurt um, of captives in the 80s. Um, Obviously, uh, there are other domiciles out there. I believe we're up to over 70, I think, worldwide. You can have up to 70 different domiciles, Um, but they're not all the same. Um, Some can be similar to Bermuda, but what's quite interesting is a lot of them will set up very quickly and then they start following the the Bermuda product and how we've set up and our multi-class license system. Um, yes, they're competition, but I think Bermuda is well equipped to to still stay ahead of the pack. It's a very close, tight line at the finish line right now. Okay. Um, but we certainly do have the expertise and, and the offering to ensure that we stay ahead of the pack in the captive domicile. One thing I would like to state, um, you know, when people are comparing numbers, on, on who is the top domicile, we need to remember in Bermuda that we have a full insurance offering. We have the commercial and the captive side, and that is up to diff- You can have th- 13 different licenses here. When people start comparing us to other domiciles, such as a Vermont or a Cayman, 
you're literally comparing one side, one pillar of our offering to a full service offering over on their side. So you're not actually comparing apples to apples. So I always try to focus people on our total licensed captives here okay. versus total licensed ent- or total licensed entities here versus that licensed entities in other jurisdictions. Let me just gauge an idea of how many we have. So how many captives are in existence right now in Bermuda? So overall, again, I'm going to focus on overall. Okay. We have um, (laughs) approximately 1,200 licensed insurance uh, entities here in Bermuda. Yes. Of that, we're just under 700 um, in the captive side. Um, Again, that is down from from where we were back probably in the 1990s, I believe, Mm -hmm. Leslie, that that is down. But as the world is changing, as corporations merge um, and amalgamations happen, captives will slowly run off or captives will merge into other captives. So it's not that we have truly lost any business out of Bermuda. It's just been a changing landscape in the parent company side as well. Yeah, very important. And as Garnier said, some captives just come to their useful life. Because you can think about the fact that you know, we've been in it for 60 years. And mm-hmm. so there are some captives that after, you know, a period so of time, they run natural end of their exactly. lifespan. Exactly. Okay. And how many do you entail? We might, do you think, well, how many new ones might come into Bermuda? So we ha- for 2022, yeah. we had over 80 new licenses in Bermuda across okay. the whole book of business. 18 of them we would consider captives. But bear in mind, on top of that, there was nine in a 3A space where... A 3A here in Bermuda is considered commercial. It's considered captive in Cayman. So I think we're looking at about, I think we had four new registrants already at the end of March. Right, for um, 2023, yes. So they're forming. That's that's the important thing. Okay. Forming here in Bermuda. No, it's great news. So having done some research, the global insurance industry has suffered, as we all know, from several factors leading to a significant increase in the cost of claims, such as natural catastrophes, the cost of inflation, and the most recently claims associated with COVID-19, resulting in what the industry keeps referring to as a hard market. So premium rates have gone up significantly in 2023. Given this backdrop, um, how will this and how has this impacted the captive insurance industry? Mrs. Underwriter? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, um, for our captive space, we actually grow during the times of hard markets, believe it or not, because the captive provides the alternative to both capacity and when it comes to higher premiums. The captive can actually be able to uh, be a solution for those two problems because in a hard market, you're either going to have insurers and reinsurers that will increase price. Yes. Um, and then you may, they may also hold back some of their capacity. And so if you have a well-run captive that is well-capitalized, you can easily uh, say, well, you know what? Instead of um, buying at the high price, um, the, the particular insurance that the commercial market is offering, I can actually put this risk into my captive. Okay. And so that's what we've been seeing over the last, um, particularly three, four years, is that existing captives are doing more. They're either adding more lines or they are taking higher retentions within their captives um, as a result. And then also, uh, as I said, with the premium part, uh, the, the captives are able to actually price the premium closer to the expected losses 
of the company. So if a company has had many, many years of experience with loss, they know their losses better than the commercial market. Okay. In the commercial market, they will dump you in with your peers. So you might have, you know, good loss experience, but your peers may not. And so as a result, your premium will end up being priced higher. So with your captive, and of course, it, it go, you know, you go through analysis with actuaries, et cetera. But if you can get something close to your expected loss rate, sure. then that, that also is, you know, a, a reason to be able to use your captive and pay the premium that you feel most comfortable in paying to your captive. Okay. And I think that hard market has shown us how well people view that captives are the commercials competition. We're not. We've worked with those commercial entities to help them find the solution through the captive um, that has worked for the parent. So I think what has shown, what I've seen in the last three years is the, the parent owner, the commercial market and the captive all working together to find a proper risk solution uh, for the risks that are out there. Okay, so a lot of strategies being pivoted over. Yeah to the captive markets. That's fantastic yeah. news. So Leslie, you're the chair of the captive conference and that's what we want to talk a little bit about here today. You must be exceptionally busy preparing for it. Could you tell me a little bit about it? When is it being held? Sure. We are so excited to announce that our our captive conference for year 2023 will be taking place in September. September 12th and 13th at the, uh, at the Hamilton Princess okay. here in Hamilton. Uh, we are so excited again because, um, you know, we're, we've been working well over the last couple of years with Hamilton Princess to really put on, you know, a fantastic product. Uh, and this year will be no exception. Um, some will say, well, why two days instead of three? But we've, you know, we've actually... We take surveys after our um, conferences, okay. and we've been listening to many of those who attend, and we find that many like to actually be still at home for weekends, and so they don't mind traveling during the week. Right. So that's why we're, we're saying, okay, you can come down on the Monday, and then the Tuesday and the Wednesday we'll have you know, intensive sessions. And you're we, home by Thursday. Uh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And again, you can be, be back for your weekend with your family. Um, this year, we are focusing a lot on networking because what we found over the last couple of years as a result of COVID, we haven't been able to network physically. And remember last year when we had the conference, people were like so excited we can finally talk face-to-face. -face. And so we realized that there is um, real value in networking. And so we're going to be having more networking opportunities. Even some of our sponsorship packages will be um, related to networking. And then even for our gala, and normally our gala is a totally social event, but we're also going to have elements of networking in that gala okay. at the end. Because, again, we, we realize that it's so important. It, this, this business is all about relationships. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's important that relationships get established and continue to be reestablished. And so as a result, we want to find as many ways that we can to so that persons can get together and learn and find out about each other. Okay. One other thing I will say about the conference is that I like to see it now, now that we have the Bermuda Captive Network, I, I look at it now as a way where we can actually showcase all that we've been doing throughout the year. Because during the year, we've been advocating and we continue to advocate with 
key stakeholders like our regulators and the government. And then we also have educational and training sessions. And we are, we are looking also to outreach into the community because we want to this year be able to, again, adopt a charity as we've done in past years. Okay. And so we will be able to showcase all of that at the conference because the regulator will be there, government officials will be there, we will have education and training sessions. And, you know, we will, we will also showcase our, 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 our charity that we're going to be adopting. And so all of these things for me as well, you know, I feel it's a culmination of all the work that yes. DCN is doing in the captive industry. And I know, Leslie, that you personally worked tirelessly during COVID to keep the conferences going in a hybrid way. So that's been amazing. Um, yes. And I also note that last year it was part hybrid, the conference. So will this year be entirely in person or yes. will you still? This year we are looking to have in person. Okay. Um, we realize, you know, it's, it's been great to have have the hybrid sessions because it's, it's sort of like a gradual comeback. Yes, yes to, indeed. To actually, you know, to actually having a physical conference. But we realize, and again, it's all about networking because if you're – if you are looking at it virtual, virtually, you can't really do that type of networking no, that agreed. you want to do. So, so for us, it's about all of us coming together, collaborating, talking about um, issues, meeting people, etc. And so that's why we've made the decision that we are going to just focus fully on a in physical, person. Okay, yes, physical conference and. And Grania, perhaps a, an input from you regarding the conference. What are the key themes or the key subject matters you hope will be well, discussed? You know, even though the conference is in September, um, we are rolling out the agenda towards the end of next week and our, our key topics. Um, and it will come as no surprise, even though there's things happening in industry now, I believe they will still be relevant in September. Okay. Um, we will be inviting um, all the banking leads to do a banking panel to really discuss the banking crisis or okay. the banking matters that are happening worldwide. Sure. Um, whilst that's happening now, I think it will still be very, very relevant uh, to our captive audience uh, when it comes around to September. Um, you know, ESG was a very key theme last year, and that will still be a theme um, as part of the conference this year. Rather than having particularly its own session, um, what I'm certainly seeing in, in our space at Aon is that ESG is coming in in all parts now Absolutely. of an insurance yes. organization's operations. And I'm sure for, for, for Willis Towers Watson as well, and even how they operate and how Aon operates, it's a very key matter. Um, the other, you know, we do invite the regulator. So the regulator has its own session. And I think it's it's probably one of the most attended sessions is that <laughs> one with the regulator. I can imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. It's so good. And I think it's so important for people to realize that the regulator is not afraid to get out in front of mm -hmm. the captive owners, the service providers, and let them know what's on their agenda and what their key um, hot topics are. Um, other items that people wouldn't be surprised of. And um, we do an investment session as well to know what the investment strategy um, is within a captive. Um, we also cover e some economic substance. That's a hot topic for okay. the last two years. Um, I don't. I, that's what I know are some of the key areas. Yeah. We always have a guest uh, speaker come in as well. Um, and I can't announce who that will be right okay. now, but maybe uh, it's one of the next podcasts we can All right. share that information. We'll keep that in suspense yes. for a while. We'll keep that in suspense yes. for a while, <laughs> yeah. And I guess I also want to just mention about some of the presenters, not yes, specific please. names, but the fact that we are now the uh, the BCN, and it's allowed our membership 
to be uh, more diverse. And as a result, we have a lot more thought leadership okay. that has come to the table that's saying that they want to be you know, part of our panels. But in addition to that, because Bermuda um, has a number of insurance offerings, as Grania said, you know, we also look to invite persons from Bilter, persons from ABEAR and ABIC um, on the panels. Um, firstly, particularly with ABIC and ABEAR, uh, many of those companies provide reinsurance to the captives mm-hmm. that are here. But also, secondly, we want to be able to showcase all the offerings that Bermuda has. And even, you know, we're hoping to be able to invite, you know, persons from the ILS space. Right. And even branching out even a bit more with digital assets and fintech. We want to be able to showcase all the offerings that Bermuda has because you just never know with 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 talking and dialogue and yes. networking, how that even an individual captive risk manager, a risk manager of a captive might say, you know what, I need to um, maybe make that connection with that digital asset person or, you know, that fintech person, because it may not be necessary for the, the, the captive that they're, they're running, but for their organization at large. Right. So it is a way to be able to showcase all the offerings that Bermuda has when it comes to financial services. Thank you. And what's certainly clear to me is that the captive industry can be entwined in in any industry. It's not just the insurance industry. So that's what I'm learning today. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure if the next question I ask is daft or not, but I'm going to ask it. Um, Why is it important that the conference is held in Bermuda? It's a great question, and it's not a dumb question at (laughs) all. Um, I think what Leslie alluded to, we did go virtual um, for two years due to COVID. And it was quite interesting during those two years, we all thought, you know what, maybe the conference won't come back to its, the conference idea, even not just for, 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 for the captive side, maybe that will not be the big thing that everybody thinks it will be after COVID. And we were proven so wrong. People are so keen to get to Bermuda. The reason it's very important to have this conference in Bermuda is when we get our overseas stakeholders, um, especially those people who have never been to Bermuda before um, and who you know, you can have new directors on a board that the captive has been set up for 20 years, but they've, they're new to the board, they've not come to Bermuda. And I think people are absolutely blown away with um, Bermuda's structure, um, the expertise and professionalism that we have here on island, even how the conference itself is run. It's a very slick conference that is run, and I'm not sure if slick is, is really the right word to use nowadays. But professional. It is a, it's, a very say, yeah. professional. it's a very professional conference. And in my opinion, the other conferences that are run here in Bermuda are also extremely professional. And all you hear from people from overseas is they are so, they're blown away by what Bermuda can offer when okay. they get here. And I think if we want to keep our voice out there, we do need to do roadshows overseas. But I think it's very, very important to get our clients and some of those overseas service providers into the island. And obviously it's good business for Bermuda as well. We're looking at over to 500 attendees. Um, at the conference and um, back in the heyday we used to have over 800 but it was a bigger hotel that we were okay. able to use and um, so that's not to be sneezed at uh, those kind of numbers coming into no the not at all eating not at restaurants all. taxis and so forth absolutely exactly. and it just helps again to show bermuda's value mm-hmm. pop, um, value proposition yes and as grania said whether it's the the taxi driver that picks you up at the airport or it's the mm-hmm 
um, waiter at the restaurant. Yes. It's all about Bermuda's value proposition. But I also want to mention as well and pick back, pick up on what Grania was saying about new board members. You know, we do have the economic substance regime um, that is alive and well in our domicile and in other domiciles as well. But, you know, it's the need to ensure that um, the companies are actually having physical meetings. Okay. And so what we're also doing and telling our clients, you know, it will be a great way to be able to bring your more members down. So that it's not just about having a, you know, having your meetings with, you know, with your insurance manager and having the board meeting. Um, but it's also about attending the conference. Yes. So it is, you get sort of more value for money when you come down and then you're also meeting your economic substance requirements okay. in the process. Yeah. No, thank you. Glad it wasn't a daft question then. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so uh, we talked a little bit about you'll have a panel for the BMA and so on and so forth. Perhaps you can tell me a little bit about the collaborations that you have with the BMA, the Registrar of Companies, the BDA and the government, just mm -hmm. to help me understand how it Sure. together. I, I, I can kickstart that conversation. Um, it is very important that we do have a very open and collaborative relationship with all those um, parties that you mentioned. Okay. Um, the BMA is probably one of the key ones that we need. That is the insurance regulator. Um, that's who Aon and Willis Towers Watson as uh, financial institutions have to report into and also who our clients have to report into. Um, through the captive network, we do hold, um, I believe it's quarterly meetings now, with the BMA where we discuss what we feel are industry matters and we also hear from them what they feel needs to be on our radar um, on risks that we need to be addressing within our industry. The Registrar of Companies through the Economic Substance is an entity and a regulator now that we have engaged more with. Okay. Um, and I know they're expanding their own resources there because of the need of economic substance uh, requirements and reviews. So that's really, really important. And also delighted to state, um, you know, the, the, the relationship with the government is a huge, huge important factor. Um, and I know through through Leslie's uh, hard work there that we, we're, we're developing even a stronger relationship um, with the Bermuda government. Um, they understand the importance of the captive industry uh, to Bermuda and, and to supporting the, the other parts of the insurance industry as well. So that's a really, really strong, important part. I don't know, Leslie, did you want to discuss the BDA? I was because I know you've, you've, you've been attending some meetings with Yes, them. Yeah. yes, um, because we do have a good relationship with the BDA. We're in constant contact with each other, and you know we we are we collaborate on themes, um, and particularly one of them is is doing the road shows. So okay. we want to be able to have teams um, that from go with the BCN yes. uh, that will go um, on the road shows. But it's also about education as well, and I think that's important. Um, and then intelligence. Um, I think it's important that the BDA, who's at the front lines of persons that are wanting to come to the island to set up that if you know if there needs to be certain intelligence whereby we can give them to help with that process that even helps them in their role so i think you know we we play um a number of parts um to to assist okay. with, the, with the bda and we have a great relationship with them and Leslie, I note that you were recently sworn in as a senator. Congratulations. Thank you. Could I perhaps ask if um, does your role as a senator help foster a stronger relationship between the Bermuda Captive Network, the BCN, and the government? Yeah, well, I think if anything, it adds credibility. Okay. On both sides. 
So when I'm able to speak to the government persons, ministers, et cetera, um, about some of the issues that we're facing, um, because it happens to be myself, um, someone who's at the, you know, one of the directors at the cap Bermuda Captive Network, but also a senator, I think it really, you know, it, it just brings home more credibility and I guess a willingness to that for them to be able to listen to what I'm saying um, just because of, of who I am. And then similarly, um, I can also take back any positive or, or otherwise feedback from the government and be able to give it to the BCN. Okay. And the BCN, again, knows that this is credible information. It's not just hearsay, but it's coming direct from the horse's mouth, per right. se. So I think, if anything, it's, it's all about credibility. And I certainly support that. Um, I was delighted, obviously, and congratulations to Leslie on, on her appointment, but I was delighted that she was appointed because not just from our messaging in, but I think it's really, really important through the network mm-hmm. that we allow our members understand the viewpoints of why certain um, items are being addressed in the way that they're being addressed. Okay. And I think that's really that stops a lot of the n- unnecessary noise. That, that sometimes happens, um, and I think it's great now that that's coming through Leslie from the government. It gives us a better insight into why certain decisions were made, and we can pass that messaging on in a, in a, in a proper manner uh, to our membership, so that's really, really important. Yeah. And as a, as a final point, I think just the mere fact that the BCN is still in its infancy mm-hmm. stages, and I think just, just my ability and where I sit in, in the mm-hmm. various roles it's just also adding uh, more credibility to the B- BCN itself. Yes. Okay. And that, you know, we want to be thought of in, in the government's minds in particular, just like an ABIR and an ABIC and a builder. Yes. We want to be building those type of relationships. And I so I think even in, in my role, I'm helping to be able to do that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you. Incredibly interesting insight I'm getting here today. So my final question, as you both sit on the strategy team of the Bermuda Captive Network, what is the focus for the captive insurance industry in 2023 and beyond? I'll handle the network first. Um, as Leslie said, we're, we're still in the infancy stages. We went live with the network um, back in September 2022, and it really was an amalgamation of three different captive organisations that were out there. Um, I'd like to think we've completed phase one and we're now in the middle of phase two and there's a third phase after that. Phase one was really getting the on-island memberships on board, getting our structure and our committees. Um, We've mentioned advocacy and talking to the regulator and the ROC and government. That is one pillar that has been up and running now for at least six months um, and has, I I think, done a lot of work on helping members understand what's happening. So that's part of phase one um, and we've been heavily building our on on island membership. Um, The second phase that we're currently rolling out is getting the captive owners now involved. We do have a small pool of captive owners that have been involved and they were involved, um, they were part of the the older organization that was um, was in place. So we're really aggressively um, trying to get those owners involved because their voice is extremely important um, on the table. They are what we would call the mini Renries, the mini XXLs, (laughs) the mini Chubs. Um, So, you know, they're keen to get involved, but we did not want them being involved in something that we're not able to roll out to them um, in a proper manner. So they'll be coming in over the next couple of months and we'll be hosting kind of education sessions for them. And then also them having their own meeting 
um, with the regulator or their right. own meeting with government where the service providers will step back because I think it's important for government and Bermuda to hear directly from those stakeholders and the last phase is over open to our international audience and those international service providers and really getting them engaged in the jurisdiction um, and then uh, then BCN by the end of this year will be uh, should be at the table there with Avia <laughs> and, and Bielter we hope that's that, that's brilliant. the aim it's <laughs> brilliant did you want to add anything to that, Leslie? Um, I guess, you know, Grania's covered most of it, I think. Um, you know, I, I think, as she said, our focus has been on building the Bermuda uh, membership and, I okay. guess, getting ourselves out there um, as far as being a credible organization, okay. um, an association in Bermuda. But, you know, the plan is, is and, and one of the reasons why we formed was because we have a lot of overseas um, sponsors of the captive conference, and these are service providers, and they could be investment bankers, they could be, you know, sure. just 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 other audit firms that are not necessarily here in Bermuda. And so we definitely want to be um, stretching out to them and and offering them uh, membership rules, but also see it as a way where they have continuous touch point. Um, with the Bermuda market so that it's not just at the captive conference sure. where annually you put up your booth and, you know, you yeah. see people. It's an ongoing. You know, exactly. Yes. This would be ongoing. And so it helps them even to get their footprint in Bermuda. And then one day they may even want to set up, you know, an actual office here in Bermuda. Right. So we see that as, as one of the things that mm -hmm. we really want to focus on once we get all the, the sort of local membership sorted, as well as getting our captive owners on board, we want to then be able to stretch and go outside and get those from overseas for a real purpose okay. as yes. well. Well, thank you both very much. I'd like to thank my guests, Grania Richmond and Leslie Robinson, for coming in for part one, Leaders in the Captive Insurance Industry. And just to remind the audience, there is a part two and part three coming along shortly. Part two will be about furthering the education of the captive industry. Part three will be about the developing trends in the captive space. So I very much look forward to my next guests coming in. And thank you to Aon for being a sponsor for today's podcast, as well as Leslie Robinson from Willis Towers Watson. I am Shivani Sait, and I've been your host. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.